0: Hello,
1: good morning, good afternoon. Good time to listen to podcasts whenever you are hearing this. And welcome back to What's Happening Now with me, Sam Hampson. And what has been happening lately? Well, the movie Dune 2. That's been happening as it hit London with its full cultural force. Now... That movie tells the story of one man responsible for the fate of the universe, as he endeavours to prevent a terrible future only he can foresee. Nice idea, but not a unique predicament this week, as by-elections in Wellingborough and Kingswood saw many step forward to perform true acts of heroism, exercising their democratic right to vote. With both results going Labour's way, that's five wins in five months for the red team. It feels like Brits are being asked to vote more often than Stephen Bartlett recommends a Huel product. Next up, it's a contest in Rochdale. And then Blackpool is also looking likely, in events that Stephen is calling the best elections Britain have released yet. Never mind Dune's plot, we found out that one actor, Josh Brolin, wrote poems about his co-stars, and another, Zendaya, wowed the world walking the London premiere's red carpet in a full metallic robot outfit. Did the futuristic look overshadow London Fashion Week? Well, for me, at least partially. But I still loved Molly Goddard's twist on Cowboy Core and the brave and bold use of accessorized iPod shuffles. Maybe my heart truly is with robots, as seeing the face of Zendaya on that mechanical body has got me fully on board with the new generation of machines and how I feel about them. And has, uh, for most of this week, had me looking at my vacuum cleaner in a very different light. London Fashion Week fought back though, with J.W. Anderson's show featuring models walking the catwalk in grey graphite wigs, as Vogue described the striking looks, saying it couldn't fail to make an impact. And that got us thinking at what's happening now. Do those grey hairs make an impact? How do we, more generally, talk and feel about getting older? And as a man who's got some grey hair and has had it since he was 14 years old, when will I finally get asked to be a model? In politics, in Britain, people say that an ageing population is a huge challenge for society. But I think that's old news. Which, I'm sorry, is a joke I wrote a while ago, and it hasn't aged well. But one man who has, who does not look a day over 46, maybe 47 on a bad day, and who looks amazing in a robot catsuit, is James O'Malley. James, uh, have you written any poems about me this week?
0: Watch it. Uh, I haven't. I was just listening to that thinking, I've had a completely different week. I, I have, I've i got no idea that many of those things happened. London Fashion Week? Not a clue. Do
1: you know what? I was writing that and I was like, what has been happening? And there's some pretty depressing things happening in the world. So this is meant to be a light-hearted uh, <laughs> opening to a uh, topic of ageing. Uh, but yeah, June 2 is out. It's not, not on your radar.
0: I think I literally fell asleep during June 1. Um, wasn't, maybe that's because maybe that's I'm getting old. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe.
1: That's a nice segue into the topic. Um, well, do you know what? We have counteracted that. We have thought ahead with where our agent is at, and we've introduced some youthful vibes to the show this <laughs> week. We're joined by uh, my genuine friend. He's nodding. No, say it out loud to so the podcast oh, listener. Uh, yeah, no,
2: he's right. I am genuine. Um, Good.
1: And yeah, you're genuine, my friend, <laughs> Lewis Hedges, comedian based in London and younger than us.
2: Yeah, I am. I am. I am younger than you guys, and I hope it stays. Yeah, that's how aging works, <laughs>
1: but it was an accusation. It was also a check, because if I was promising that we'd brought in youthful agents and then you went, actually, Sam, I'm 56, then mm. that would have really derailed look, my I plans. Look,
2: I look bloody good for 56, and
1: I think? You, you look good for anything, mate. I, yeah. Let's not make it too much Stop. of a love-in, but it's a strong start visually to the show, and it's a shame we're just on the airwaves. Yeah, but, gentlemen, we're going to start today with what's happening now. James, we're talking aging this week, and very helpfully... You have found a story on that theme.
0: Yeah, I found a story about an old man. Stop me if you've heard this story before, but we've got a RAF veteran who's going to walk around a field to raise money for charity. Pardon? This is apparently, this is Corporal, I think it's CPL, that's Corporal, isn't it? Donald Elsom from Anfield Plain in County Durham. He's only 94 years old, so he's going to walk around this field 95 times just in time for his 95th birthday.
1: Does his daughter want a spa or something? <laughs> what's, what's happening here? This, is, this feels familiar.
0: I think it's just some sort of ersatz, uh, Captain Tom-style... Do gooding, which I can't fault him. If he wants to do that to raise money for charity, it seems like a nice thing to do. But what gets me is he's going for something less impressive than what Captain Tom did. Yeah. Surely you need to break the record. Surely you should be doing at least 101 laps. Otherwise, it's just going to look a bit crap in comparison. Yeah. Well, I guess he's only a corporal, right? So maybe he's just showing respect. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's all about hierarchy. Even at that age, it never leaves you. Um, yeah, it's easy to be cynical. Lewis, how do you feel about old people walking around gardens?
2: I think. If we live in a society where old people have to walk around gardens to support any kind of charitable endeavour, I think we're living in, if not a failed state, then certainly one that's approaching failure.
1: Yeah, but that's the sign of the end of times. Just we'll look at one day and they're all walking around the gardens. It's a herald of the (laughs) apocalypse, so it's happening. Where have you found this, James? Is this very specific or is this made... Mainstream news. No,
0: this this is on the BBC News website, okay. uh, so this isn't a le- legit story that's actually happening. But it just yeah, it just seems to me it just seems a bit off-brand. It's a bit like wanting to go to McDonald's and your mum saying we've got chips at home, that sort mm. of thing.
1: But you know what? Sometimes franchises need to reboot. They need to recast. This is James <laughs> yeah. Bond. This is a, a new Captain America.
0: What's he called? Donald. De- What's his name? Uh, Donald Elsom. Donald Elsom. Donald Elsom. Well, that's
1: that's a good corporal name. It's a good ninety-five-year-old mm. name yeah. as well. It's so, yeah, good for Donald. has he raised any money yet? He's okay. done
0: 67 laps so far, and the final one is due to take place on the 13th of March.
1: Okay. So, Wait, how quick is he doing these?
0: I was think he sounds like he needs a harder challenge.
1: Yeah, on the 13th of March, we're recording on the 21st of February, and he's done two thirds of it, and he's got another 30 to go in, and he's going to take him to. A look, he's 95 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: come on, get a move on. I
1: thought he did it. Cont- I, this is my naivety of Captain Tom. I thought it was all. They just kept going until they finished.
0: No, he he took his time as well. He was like. Just a bit at a time. That's how it counts now. It's, it's all coming out now.
2: Oh, wow. The,
1: look, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, and we know the issues are more with the family rather than what Captain Tom did. But I am um, suddenly so less into this whole endeavour.
2: Just great PR,
1: great marketing.
0: Yeah. The worst thing about Captain Tom is he didn't even do laps, he did lengths.
2: Oh.
1: Oh, this is all falling apart.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say what you want about his daughter, but I think she earned that marketing salary that she paid <laughs> for himself, <laughs> Because that's amazing.
1: It's all about branding, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, all definitely. about the stories you tell. Good. Good luck to Donald. At least he's going all the way around the garden. You do you, Donald.
0: What I'm saying mm. is, I hate that nice man doing that nice thing for charity.
1: Yeah, we, Lewis, you need to do the podcast. We try and keep it positive and optimistic. Mm. First story, we're like, we hate this old man.
0: Mm, yeah, wasn't well, do what
2: the rest of us does in... Get on a podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. yeah. Come on, that's Donald. What the world needs more of. <laughs> yeah, come on, Donald. Get
1: out the garden, uh, into the studio. <laughs> Lewis, you have a story for us though, as well this
2: week. Yes, Birmingham Council are going to be raising their council tax, I believe, twenty-one percent over the next two years in order to make up for the shortfalls as a result of them declaring bankruptcy, I believe, last year. And then, not the only one. Everyone seems to be doing this at the moment, James. It uh, keeps happening. Yeah.
0: In vogue. Yeah, councils going bust is a new thing. Councils can't technically declare bankruptcy, but they can declare something which effectively is bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. The Birmingham one's interesting because it was triggered by basically a long-term sex discrimination claim by female employees of Birmingham Council who Mm -hmm. claimed they weren't paid enough over the years, and now Birmingham's got to go and pay all these people back loads of money that they're owed. And that was the source of it. But councils everywhere are going bust for all sorts of reasons because basically the state is saying... You need to carry on paying for things like social care and all these important things. And then okay. they're not giving councils the money to actually pay for it. This is going to keep happening. And I imagine by the time people actually listen to us talking, several more councils are probably going to be teetering on their verge as well. Yeah. So
1: it's not just loads of sexist councils. They've not all got the same problem.
0: No, okay. I think, yeah, I think,
2: yeah, as, as James rightfully pointed out, yeah, Birmingham has that kind of specific issue. I think they owe, God, I think it's three quarters of a billion Pounds at this point. Oh, okay, so, that's a lot uh, of laps a of a garden to raise money. Yeah, <laughs> Donald Bear, move on. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, and so as a result of that, not, they've not just increased taxes, but they're also going to be cutting back on spending. So they're going to be moving bin collections to fortnightly. Street lights are going to be dimmed.
1: That's and probably I, a good thing, right? You don't want to see too much of
2: Birmingham. I grew up in Birmingham. Okay, so be very careful what you say. Okay, uh, but but yeah, there, are, there there are parts of it that yeah maybe a street dimming might, might help. <laughs> it does uh, them a favour. But,
1: but, but th- that's really going to be felt by people. Is this feeling that sometimes councils don't do any good and they're just bureaucrats or whatever. These changes are really going to be visible or not with the lights going off, or to the people of Birmingham, it's going to be really felt.
0: I think the really striking thing is a significant percentage of Birmingham's libraries are going to be basically closed until the situation is resolved. Mm. And again, that's just one of those things that's going to affect people. And if people are paying more money for less good services, people are going to be angrier. Everything's just going to be slightly more shit. And bearing in mind they are already living in Birmingham, it's you know we're, we'll leave that joke I've been alone. Brought Sorry, brought in and just
2: been <laughs> victimized here with
1: this. We planned this. We're like, get a brumian and we'll just kick him for an hour.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not. It. I actually had a really
1: oh, how do I say this? I had an interesting experience in Birmingham this week. I went up. I met a political figure there, and he was telling me it's a very unique place in the country mm-hmm. that there's something like 14 areas that are Labour and 14 that are Conservative. Forgive me if the numbers are wrong, but he was saying it's a unique city because Annie Street's the mayor is a Conservative in there. Mm-hmm. It's a very balanced thing. So. Mm. Politically, it's tough. There's loads of areas of the country that are losing the money and going to be the same thing. But this is a key battleground with a mayoral election coming up.
2: Yeah, no, it's very interesting. And I always find, and I'd be interested to get James' view on this kind of more generally, how less engaged people seem to be in terms of voter turnout with local elections, whereas it's the local politics that tends to have the biggest effect on their day-to-day lives. Right.
0: Mm. Mm. Local local elections always have significantly lower turnout. I think you can look at usually around sort of 40 percent rather than the sort of 60 percent we expect for general elections. But mm-hmm. yeah, councils do actually matter. It's boring to think about. But yeah, it is actually worth paying attention to who's in charge of the council or what's going on, because just boring things like planning decisions or local services, that does actually matter. Yeah. I mean, it's not Politics, and this might blow a lot of people listening's minds, is actually more than just posting on twitter about what you reckon wait what um, oh, d- yeah. d- do you mean x you mean x i d- I, d- I, <laughs> I, d- I don't use that word uh, <laughs> he's like, taking it fully out of his yeah.
1: vocabulary he doesn't even say words that have got x in it now he's so loyal to the twitter brand um, But yeah it's, and, and it's the mayoral and devolution of local powers to mm-hmm. this was whole, all um. about making politics relevant locally yeah. and now they're going oh by the way guys there's no money good luck
2: yeah, it's a complete it's a complete failure of devolution in my eyes, right? Because I think look, say what you want about the American system and I could say plenty, but their state and federal relationship, although strained, at least has one thing right in that they do balance the kind of the income of how they distribute federal funds, right? So you've got a lot of red states that primarily net withdrawers for want of a better phrase from the from the federal coffers and then you've got blue states that are net contributors and i think people kick up a fuss about it but ultimately it works whereas here in the uk it's if you succeed brilliant and if you don't you're on your own
1: I think it's the first time our advice as a podcast is, let's be more like America. <laughs> <laughs> um, less like Birmingham, more like America. Yeah. I can and, see that, the logic.
2: And, and, and they've got the old people in charge, right? Look at Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden. Look how great a job they're doing. Oh, uh, the
1: you've brought it back round to aging in a very <laughs> smart way. Let's trust the old ones. My story this week zooms out from Birmingham somewhat to go to nuclear weapons. A mm. uh, different vibe, different pace of life. And I don't know if you've been following the development of nuclear stories this week, gentlemen. But it started off... By the US accusing Russia of developing space-based nuclear weapons, Mm. warning that they may be putting them up there, ready for uh, space wars and firing them at any minute, Putin, a notoriously trustworthy man, then came out a few days later and went, no, that's silly, obviously wouldn't do that. But it really raised it on the agenda. To the point that a couple of days after that, Britain, it's come out, can't even fire our own. I don't know if you (laughs) saw the story. (laughs) For the second time in a row, the Navy were testing out the Trident defence missile system, Mm. and it crashed into the sea in front of the defence secretary, Grant Shapps. Now, it's not been too reassuring this series of events. The one small consolation was it nearly hit Grand Chaps, so...
2: Okay. That
0: would have been nice.
1: Silver <laughs> linings, but otherwise it doesn't feel like too secure a world.
0: I'm no. slightly worried because for a long time nuclear doctrine has been we want to maintain this first strike capability so that the idea is if Russia looked like they're going to nuke us, we nuke them first and mm-hmm. we then to stop to disincentivize them doing it in the first place. But if we can't do a first strike or even a second strike, are we going to be like, is, is our nuclear doctrine now... Maybe third strike if we're lucky.
1: It's pretty embarrassing being a nuclear power and just be like, this doesn't usually happen. Just give me a minute. Just give me another go. (laughs) And it takes three or four goes to fire the missile. It's not great. And somebody made the point that as Trump's talking about letting Russia do what they want if people don't pay for NATO, our nuclear deterrent, let's not get into it too much, matters more than ever. Right. If we've got it, it should work. It should be a deterrent. And it doesn't make you feel great about our defense capabilities if it's just collapsing into the sea. I completely agree.
2: But I've always thought the one thing about putting nuclear missiles in in space was that I'm not sure it would have the same kind of strategic importance that you would think, right? Because I think with ICBMs, you can hit anywhere. I I believe it's in 30 minutes or 35 minutes.
1: Intercontinental ballistic missiles. Yes. Oh, I know the lingo.
2: (laughs) Gold Sam. So I'm not sure having nuclear weapons in space would help unless you're going after space-based targets, but then you have the whole issue of space debris and, and all sorts, and I think it becomes counter...
1: Maybe, maybe Russia, actually, I'll maybe they're pointing them outwards for any invading aliens. <laughs> have, we haven't even considered they might be trying to help. James, do you think Putin's on, on the, the world's side?
0: In what sense?
1: In the sense of he's protecting us from aliens.
0: I don't think that's his main priority no, with, pr- probably with, it, not. With, this, with this plan. But...
1: Probably, probably not. Look, he denies it the USA That's fine
0: that's good enough for me.
1: Yeah. yeah maybe we should just be more trusting as a well. world. He, he's he's an old white man we should trust. Yeah. No wait, no, again, not the official language.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're on Donald's side but not Vladimir's. Mm. That's the that's the distinction. So, aging this week. What's happening now with aging? James, mm. why did we think this is a good idea? Why are we talking about aging?
0: It's an important issue because As people get older, as societies get older, Britain has a very ageing population. We've got more pensioners than ever. Those numbers are only going to keep increasing and increasing as birth rates go down. And this is going to cause society a really big problem. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in a decade or two or three's time, it could cause a big problem because the thing that old people uh, use a lot of but don't generate much of, is money. If we want social care and hospitals to look after us when we're old, then someone's going to need to pay for that. And at the moment, we're going to struggle to pay for all of the old people in the world.
1: It's not a good business plan just to send them around the garden and earn money, is it? So that I understand the point. Lewis, how do you feel about ageing? You're in your 20s?
2: Uh, I am. I'm 28 years young.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, I'm very proud of you for that. Is, age, is is this a scary conversation for you?
2: It's something that I thought about i wouldn't go so far as to say it. it's scary i feel it's inevitable right so i try not to be not to get too deep and philosophical but i try not to be too scared about things that are inevitable we'll
1: take you aside after this podcast and tell you how it feels post 30 i'm 34 <laughs> i'm 35 this year and i feel for the first time like i'm genuinely scared of it because when i was growing up footballers retired at 35 and that was a dark day when they were like no use to anybody anymore so 28 still has that youthful optimism. I, I don't yeah, like
2: that. Yeah. yeah, I can still have a, a decent run in the cup, I think. Yeah, Not title contenders. I could play Europa League,
1: I think. <laughs> I genuinely had this argument with, with my wife and her friend last night. And I was like, oh, I feel like my football career is over now. And they were like, something was never on. And I'm like, yeah, but now it like all possibility is gone. And they were like, no, but you never had. And I was like, no, but I could have done. So yeah, James, how's your football career going?
0: Unfortunately, yeah, mine is also lacking. I remember the last football moment. I think I was older than every single member of the England team. And that just felt like a, a moment of youth and relevance passing. Even obviously I was never going to be on the team. I was always picked last at school. So if the England team were calling me up, we we're in real trouble.
1: Uh, this is probably not a podcast of prospective England footballers. We're, we're here if needed. James, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but you're going to make a great old man.
0: What makes you say that? I
1: just think people have a vibe, right? People have an energy, and I feel like you're halfway there.
0: I do feel like like, sometimes I feel like I was born as a 50-year-old trapped inside the body of a much younger, albeit very unhealthy man.
1: Yeah. Where's your journey at? How are you feeling about getting older?
0: I'm feeling massively wracked with anxiety about it, because currently I'm in the midst of losing my hair. I'm I'm glad this isn't a video podcast uh, today, because basically you would see a man in denial. We we keep
1: trying to make it one, and you keep going, no, that's not allowed.
0: I currently look like basically a fat fryer tuck uh, in that... Most of my head now...
1: Notoriously thin, right?
0: Well, you know, it's just the big, bald dome of a head. That's basically my head now, but I've still got the hair on there because if you look at my face from directly at the front, you'd look at me and think, maybe he does have some hair left. Uh, But if you look at me from any other angle, which, mercifully, I do not have to do, you will go, what is this pathetic man living in denial about the reality of his...
1: Not Pathetic Decaying. Man. No, no, no. We, you do turn around in the studio sometimes and I do go, oh, Fry Tuck's here, and then go, oh, no, wait, it's James. <laughs> uh, but not Pathetic Man. No, it's it's a Jenny for us all, though, right? It's uh, um, the thing. I'm, I am I,
0: I know I, at some point I'm going to have to bite the bullet and just shave my head, but I'm just putting off that day and putting off that day.
1: That's the day we make it a video, uh, a video <laughs> podcast. No, it's, it's, it's relevant for us all. I think I'm going to make a great old man. I, I've learned over some professional endeavors over the last couple of years what I'm really good at some people are good at technical skills. Mm. I don't know financial knowledge, like uh, HR, whatever. I'm very good at cups of tea with old people. It's an area I really thrive. Uh, it's been I've been in denial for a while. More and more, I'm like, oh no, no, this is my niche. This is my place to shine.
0: I'm looking forward to finding out if I get more right-wing as I get older as as per, uh, you know as as everyone is expected to do so will I one day wake up and think oh I'm not sure about those people who look a bit different
1: Yeah but you feel like a rule follower it feels like you're going to make yourself right-wing just because you feel like you should <laughs> We do talk about politics so James how does mm. aging fit into politics
0: So we're ruled by a gerontocracy A what this is essentially a word for a rule by the elderly. Now, obviously, there's no big rule that says we have to be. Uh, but old people tend to vote at a much higher rate than young people, which means that their issues and their priorities and things that matter to them get, take priority in political conversations and in political parties. So I always think of housing. Young people can't afford a home, but nobody cares. Nobody can do anything about it because ultimately old people say, hang on, we don't want anyone building on the field near us because we like the view. And, and that always wins.
1: Young people like views as well.
0: But they also like living in homes, which uh, yeah, yeah. which we can't really do quite the same sort of rate. <laughs> if,
1: if Bush came to show Lewis, would you like to live in a home or have a nice
0: I I, I would love to live in a home.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's the dream.
2: I'd love to paint my own walls. My my flat has a lovely living room, which is coloured an odd shade of orange slash mustard. Okay, distinctive. It is, dare I say it, vile. And can't do anything about it. So yeah, I'd love to own my own home. But to echo what James was saying as well, it's not just in housing, but like HS2 is a classic example, Mm. right? The cost per mile of that first leg was obscene, mainly because we had to dig tunnels so that people wouldn't have to see the train tracks. And it's just ridiculous.
1: It is. What do you think is the biggest priority for young people today that gets ignored? Because there's a campaign for votes at 16 that pops up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm too old now. I've not spoken to a 16 year old in, in a long time thankfully. What <laughs> would change if younger people were engaged in politics, do we think?
2: I think we'd see even more MPs on TikTok and Snapchat, which I think is only bad for our public discourse. It would be, um, yeah.
1: I wouldn't see them. I, I <laughs> do have a TikTok account. My brother, who's only a couple of years younger than me, he regularly sends me TikToks to try and convert me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll log on every six months or so and find a big pile of them to get through and i would go, oh, too much for me. I'm not doing it. Yeah, it might be wasted on me. James, are you on TikTok?
0: I'm not. I I don't understand it. It scares me. I'm an old man now.
1: Okay. Who does support votes at 16? Politically, where are we at with that? Is that so relevant?
0: Yeah, so it's sort of an issue which has been in the background for, for decades now. The Lib Dems and the Greens and the SNP, they all support votes for 16-year-olds and a bunch of civil society organisations do as well. The Labour Party is interesting on this because though their National Policy Forum has come out and said we want votes at 16, this is the sort of Byzantine Labour group who just theoretically decide policy, they want it. But I suspect as soon as it gets to an election and just, as soon as Keir Starmer has to say something, this is one of those things that's just going to get shoved under a carpet and hope no one notices because it just seems like the sort of distracting issue from Labour's sort of core priorities at the moment and of course the Conservative Party pretty much don't support it because why would they when they're the party of the older people older voters who vote for them it really does feel like
1: not so much is going to change here we can talk about this on what's happening now and dream dreams of changing the Mm. world but uh, it's pretty old feels pretty embedded and i think probably a good example of that is the house of lords right mm. that's full of old people
0: the house of lords it's a really strange institution obviously people are appointed there now uh, but historically people were just there because they were born there but it means that were
1: born in the house of lords or
0: they they were born, in, they were born <laughs> into the house of lords because because their dad was a lord so they get to be a lord that was how we used to think it was a good way to run things or their mum? Usually the dad, I oh, think. OK. That's how society um, works. OK. But um, the really, uh, for example, the current um, father of the house, the oldest person in the House of Lords. I don't think they technically use the name father of the house for the House of Lords. But anyway, the oldest person in the House of Lords. He's um, the
1: one responsible for creating all the babies that get born into the House of Lords, right?
0: Possibly. OK. The, the one who served the longest is, is David Trefgarn, I don't know if you pronounce that. Second Baron Trefgarn. He became a lord on the 3rd of July, 1962. That's 61 years ago. He must be really good at it by now. He was 19 when he became a lord. So wow. back in, maybe back then they were going, oh, look at these all these young lords. How irresponsible <laughs> and young were they? I don't know. Sat in the House of Lords scrolling on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, now he's still there now. And the oldest member at one point was 98 years old. And now the youngest member of the House of Lords is, 30, is just 30. Do they retire? No, There's no formal process for the lords to retire. This is what's strange. This is why uh, it's strange. It was controversial that a 30-year-old uh, Boris Johnson advisor was appointed to the House of Lords. And
1: Charlotte Owen. Charlotte Owen. Oh,
0: Great um, knowledge. Yes, and, the only
1: Lord's l- lord lady. <laughs> I know.
0: Mm. And, the, and the, the Welsh nationalists plied. Um, um, they've also appointed a 27-year-old to the Lords now. And the reason that those appointments are controversial isn't just because what do these young people know about anything, but it's because they could be making our laws now for the next most of the next century. I thought
1: you were going to say because the women and the old men don't like it. But uh, no, we've that's a win. <laughs> They're OK with that bit. That's good. Uh, mm. But we need, a, we need a balance, right? Young people and old people?
2: Yeah, I've always thought the theory of the House of Lords a good one. I think it's the practice the where it falls apart, right? I like the idea that you have people that aren't necessarily politicians involved in making our laws because they they don't have the the issues of having to campaign and gain election and, and what have you, right? So
1: well, I mean, can- the 98-year-old is going to really struggle to door knock for a few hours at a time. It's, it's yeah, going to be difficult.
2: Yeah, so true.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's too busy doing laps on the garden. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to say, there's an amazing thing about the House of Lords. This is, yeah, this is slightly related to ageing. Before the House of Lords was entirely hereditary. Now it's appointed, so the government or various others will nominate people who will go into the Lords. And Tony Blair, when he was in office, he reduced the size of the House of Lords. There's currently 850-odd sort of official Lords, but only 600 or so actually ever get to sit in there or are allowed to sit in there. But this is what's crazy about the way they fix the Lords, because reforming the House of Lords is a really slow process. They have House of Lords elections, and these are the weirdest elections. So if someone from the House of Lords, if one of the hereditary peers dies or or retires, they have an election for another hereditary lord. So we still have hereditary members of the House of Lords. And then these elections are just voted in by other members of the House of Lords. And so you'll get these sort of weird poshos from- Weird yeah, <laughs> Posho yeah, yeah, a technical yeah, term. Yeah. Okay, That's right. a technical term. And uh, who will put forward these little manifestos, these little four lines going, oh, please vote for me. I'm in good standing. I've got, I own this much land or something. I don't know what they it say. It like the
1: House of Lords um, version of student politics. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's
0: very much so. And then, and then on, on the strength of 30 votes or whatever from other members of the Lords, there'll be a new member of the legislature brought, back, brought in to vote and make our laws. It's very strange. Future career path, though, Lewis? is that... that
2: uh, uh, oh, I'd, I'd love to sit in the House of Lords. You get paid by the day to just sit in there. I think you get an attendance allowance. You go in and
0: sign the book, and then they get about £300 or something yeah. like that.
1: And if they're old, they probably just like sitting there.
0: Yeah. Easy money. Um,
1: Easy yeah. money. It's, the House of Lords is meant to be having experts in, and the, the, the young appointments were controversial, not just on age, but credentials as well, right, James?
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, the... Sort of average member of the House of Lords is supposed to be someone fairly august later in career, an eminent scientist or a big a charity CEO or a business leader or someone like that who can bring their many years of expertise into writing the technical details of all our laws and weighing various things up. Yeah, I'm, I always find odd when I see young politicians now because I'm in my, my mid to late 30s and now whenever I see an MP who was born in the 90s, I just think, what do, you, what do they know? <laughs> I you're
1: know you're the old person yeah, now, James. I,
0: I, so so I, I can sort of, I get it. They've barely lived in the real world. How can they mm. know what's best?
1: Lewis, give me your dream House of lot. Not not all Ooh. 600, but you've got, I don't know, 3 you've got three votes.
2: Great question. Yeah. First off, I, yeah, to echo what I said earlier, I agree the theory should be they should be like philosopher kings, right? But instead mm. we have Michelle Moan and Lord Alan Sugar. Yeah, I'm. So, um, I'm not wild about that. Dream House of Lords already taken care of. I yeah guess, so true. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Who would I have in the House of Lords? Dulyper.
1: Yeah, I fair. think she'd do
2: a great job. Yeah, uh, and also would be very good, I think, at promoting politics for younger people. Right? She'd make it relevant. Uh, exactly. I.
1: I wouldn't vote for Dua Lipa because she's in the House of Lords, but I'd support her. I'd mm-hmm. support her whatever she chooses to do. Yeah. Easy um, to get behind. James, do you know who Dua Lipa
0: is? No, <laughs> I, I, I know the name. Like, I couldn't tell you any any further information about this person.
1: I love that you could reel off names of ninety eight year old House of Lords members, and you, like Louis says, do a leap, and you are like, do not know who that is.
2: Uh, okay, do us in there. It's just a TikTok thing, kind of. Uh, she's big on TikTok. I think no? she's she's a she's a pop star. Um, she's okay. big on everything, James. Yeah. look her up. Who else? Who else would I have? I think we should have some comedians in there. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, are you nominating yourself? I think I am. Yeah. Okay, I was, so I was so waiting he's... for you to say it. Oh, actually, yeah. That, I hadn't thought about that. Actually, that's a good idea. You and Dua Lipa into the new House of
1: Lords. You've got one final member. To join you two as the, uh, I know this is quite young. Who's your favourite old person? Lewis? Oh,
2: Anne Robinson, of Anne the Robinson. weakest
1: link. From. I would have put money on it being David Attenborough. No, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anne Robinson, Anne Robinson, Dua Lipa, and Lewis Hedges. Um,
2: yeah, she's a powerful woman that's graced our TVs for for decades, and I think she would bring a bit of order and dare I say a bit of sass and class to yeah. Yeah. Uh, the House of Lords. Okay, well. There you
1: go. James, I'm, uh, I'm not going to ask you because you'll pick three actual Lords members. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave that for this week. Gentlemen, that's what's happening now with ageing. Lewis Hedges, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, sounds sarcastic, but I really mean it. It's really good to have you here. <laughs> but how is life for you at the moment? Have you got any plans? What's going on?
2: Yeah, life is good. Gigging a lot, which is nice. Good um, for a comedian to gig, yeah. as, as I understand it. It is good, but yeah, just plodding along. I'm not a big winter guy. I struggle with, so it's nice that... We're getting brighter days and what have you. So, it's getting there. To that.
1: spring is nearly springing. Uh, James and I did a, did a show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but my, some of my mates came to see me for the first time, saw them after, and they were like, Who was that guy? He was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Cool. Thanks, guys. And you have an act which I've not seen yet, but I've seen the rumors. I've heard the rumors. Can you explain Maya Angelou Dini? To us, please.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you asked, Sam. So Maya Angelou is a character that I do who's a, a feminist magician who <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> performs very bad magic tricks to try and ultimately fail to pick up women in the audience, basically. <laughs> this is an act.
1: I, I heard the name Maya Angelou Dini. I'm like, I think I can guess. But then the mechanics of it and actually how it appears on stage, I need to go and see this. James, we'll go and see Maya Angelou Dini That's That's uh, what's happening now, social, coming up. Sounds good. James, what's your your plans? What's life look like for you right now?
0: My life is currently recovering from the cold. You can probably hear in my voice. Still, do you know what? I yeah. usually ask you this at the start of the show. James, what's
1: going on? How's, how's your week? And well, this, thought... is, this
0: is the thing. I, I had a big plan this week. Over, over the last weekend, I was thinking, no, I'm going to do something interesting so I can talk about it on the show with Sam because every week it's, yeah. so you ask me what you've been doing and I'm like, mm, I don't know, looking at my computer. Yeah. Th- <laughs> yeah. This week, I, I, was gonna, I had tickets booked to go to a museum. That's quite exciting. I could talk to you about the Romans or something. You could. But alas, I was struck down by a cold and so I just mm. had to spend more time looking at a screen and feeling sorry for myself.
2: You were foiled. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear it. Going to a museum, I thought you were gonna to go to the House of Lords. Huh? <laughs> That's next week. Okay, you can, you every week. A
0: yeah, big week. I'm actually gonna to go to the Lords in March, hopefully. On official business. Fingers crossed.
1: I hear. Guys, thank you very much for your time. This has been What's Happening Now with Aging. I'm Sam Hampson. Thanks to James O'Malley as ever, Lewis Hedges, and our producer, Adrian Bradley. <laughs>